Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a podcast from Joy's jazz show, Bent Notes. Tune in live each Sunday night at joy.org.au. Our special guest on Bent Notes is a trumpeter who started playing piano at age four before picking up the trumpet when he was age 10. His lifelong love of the trumpet didn't actually start, however, until he was given a cassette of Doc Severinsen and the Tonight Show Band. Damon Brunton suggests that his playing is more like a saxophonist playing a trumpet, I'm a bit confused about that, but we're going to find out what he means by that statement in just a moment. It is my pleasure to bid a very warm welcome to Bent Notes. Damon Brunton, welcome. Thanks for having me on, David. Really uh, pleased to be here. Pleasure indeed. Now, back in 2020, Nicholas Fatakis interviewed you for AustralianJazz.net, and you made the statement that your trumpet playing was more like a saxophonist playing a trumpet than a trumpeter. And I'm a bit confused. What do you mean by that? If you think of traditional trumpet players, I guess along the lines, if you go back to like Louis Armstrong, there's great big gaps in the phrasing where they need to breathe and it's kind of more consolidated melodic statements. Whereas I use circular breathing all the time when I'm playing, whether it's be ahead or improvising. And so I get this long stream of notes. And I guess, you know, that's that's probably where I was coming from with regards to that statement. When you were inspired with your trumpet playing... Were you inspired by a saxophonist or a trumpet player? Or oh, no, it was definitely, um, you mentioned the Doc Severinsen thing. I really loved I really loved soccer. I was doing six days of soccer a week and I, I'd practiced every day. So I would do 45 minutes trumpet a day, 45 minutes piano practice a day. And I was at the school stage band and I was pretty scared of the conductor. And he was conducting the band and I couldn't improvise at all, like not even a single note. And there was a notated trumpet solo and uh, I was playing second trumpet, so I played it. And, uh, and then he stopped the band. He stopped the whole band and he was like, Damon, what are you doing? Don't you know how to swing? What is swing? And I was like, oh, it's like that dotted rhythm kind of thing, which is a really geeky kind of classical musician's response to that. And he's like, oh, come back to my office and, and see me after, after rehearsal. I was like, well, how do I get in trouble? I just played all the <laughs> notes that were there. You know, I know I got the notes right. So I went back and he handed me a cassette. And I threw that cassette into my school bag um, and a couple of you know days later I uh, grabbed it out, stuck it in my Walkman, you know, with a little silver band <laughs> over the top of the head with yeah. the fuzzy little earmuffs and I had to listen to it and within a couple of minutes I was like, I need to do this for the rest of my life. It was literally that clear and that uh, light bulb a moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. It really uh, snowballed from there. And how does that feeling compare with the original feeling when age 10 when you first picked up the trumpet? Well, when I picked up the trumpet, so I'd been playing piano for five or six years at this point, and I love the piano, not in the same way that I love the trumpet, but when you play a note on the piano, you can't do anything with it. Like once you've hit it, it's gone. You can't even make a crescendo. You can't growl it. You can't half valve it. You can't pitch bend it. And then I grabbed a trumpet, um, which was part of the school program, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can go from like soft to loud on one note. And I was really bamboozled and kind of like, 
confounded by what you could do. And, you know, I was pushing the valves down halfway and getting these, like, choked, squeezy noises. Actually, sorry, this is... I was in the concert band in grade six and we were playing Over the Rainbow and it was meant to be this octave leap of, like, F to F, really clean. But I'd worked out how to half valve and I'd squeak it and I'd squeal it all the way from an F to an F. And the conductor would stop the band saying, that is horrible, Damon. And I would be like, I think it's great. And it was like, it was horrible. It was horrible. But I love the fact that you could be so expressive with a single noted instrument. Yeah. So is that the best part of being able to play a trumpet, that expressiveness? I, th- I think so. But also, I mean, this is a bit, this is a bit out there. If you clap the sound goes everywhere. It doesn't just go in one direction. So if you're buzzing your lips into a mouthpiece, the sound isn't just going down the down the uh, lead pipe. It also must be going back into you and resonating kind of your oral cavity and maybe your chest and your lungs as well. And I think as a result of that, you end up with an individual sound so that, you know, you could play... Can I tell a really quick story? You can. Yeah, okay. So I was at a friend's house. He's not a musician. He'd set up a playlist in the other room on his computer that he'd wired to some speakers in the lounge room. And he said, oh, Dame, I've got all Wynton Marsalis on tonight for you. I was like, oh, great. Cool. That's, that's really great. Thanks for that, mate. You know, a couple of hours in, I was like, oh, you're playing some Miles Davis now. And he's like, no, no, I, I know it's all Wynton. And I was like, no, this is Miles. And he's like, Dame, I know you know your music, but I typed Winton into the search bar. It could only be that. And anyway, so he was... He went back to the other room and sure enough, it was Miles Davis because when you hear a trumpet player play, it's, it's like their signatures on every note. Like, you know exactly who it is within like one note. You know, we could play Freddie Hubbard. We could play Clifford Brown. We could play Louis Armstrong. They all sound, you know, if they all played C major scale, we would know who they were. So I think that's the bit I love that when I hear me, I'm like, okay, that's, that's how I sound. That's me. Yeah. You can tell yourself from others. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. That's an interesting comment you make there about the sound being not just the physical sound of the physical trumpet itself, but then back into your own body and that everyone's body is different. So it's going to ultimately change that sound in some fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you go like really kind of metaphysical, if you play a note and you had a glass of water in front of you, you would see the ripples on the water being affected by the sound, even though there's no physical connection between, say, the trumpet and the and the water. And then I always like to think, well, if humans are like, I'm going to get this wrong, say 70 or 80% water, and we're playing at a gig, are we kind of like resonating all of the people in the audience as well? Because if we are, that is the coolest thing ever. And that, you know, our music could be on a consciousness level, which is affecting the consciousness level of the audience members in the room. I haven't really fully formed that idea, but I like it. I've, I, I like I've that not idea. thought of that myself, but it actually does make sense. It does, doesn't because it? Because it is your, your, the music you're producing is vibrations and those vibrations are going out to everyone in the room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I love that. And I think that's also why, like, if you said to me, who could I go, if I had one gig to go and see from anyone dead or alive, I would pick John Coltrane within a heartbeat, even though I have every single one of his albums. But I want to be in the room i want to be at the village vanguard second row from the front watching train and feeling what that feels like to be in the room when he's playing not in a big stadium but in the actual yeah, jazz, yeah, yeah, yeah. jazz club where you're hearing real live direct physical yeah. audio i went to the village vanguard and i stood on the stage and i was like i wonder if john coltrane's sweat is in the carpet <laughs> that i'm standing on and if so i am so pleased to be doing this yeah. oh that's beautiful i did see that you have a youtube channel and during the lockdowns i see you've been doing a little bit of 
playing along with yourself. Yes, so sometimes I kind of just got bored. So sometimes yeah. I would play along just solo trumpet. Sometimes I'd lay something down on the piano and then play along with that or play along with tracks. And it's really, really bizarre. I'm in my room on my own, but I know that the red light on the phone is like recording. And I still get nervous even when there's no one in the room. Oh, and really? I'm like, Damon, what are you doing? It's just a phone. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but somehow I'd still get nervous. And that was really interesting because in the gigs post-lockdown, I actually kind of felt calmer on stage and in some ways kind of more seasoned at performing because I felt like I'd been doing a recording session most days of lockdown, which was a lot of days. Uh, very lot of days yeah. indeed. Damon, we're going to chat about your latest album, which is called The Chunky Biscuit, very soon. Mm-hmm. But I thought we'd just have a break first and have the biscuit. <laughs> oh, I'm up for that. <laughs> I should tell you that we have a... A little tub of biscuits here, and I thought that was just appropriate with Chunky Biscuits. But I'd like to hear a piece first from your duet album from 2019, The Mayfair Sessions, with Nathan Liao on piano, a piece by Isham Jones called There's No Greater Love. What was the driver behind this album? Oh, this was... This was one of the most favourite times of my life. A series of owners created a restaurant called the, uh, called the Mayfair, and they would have jazz Wednesday through Sunday, every, every one of those nights, every week, regardless of how many people had or had not booked in the restaurant. Myself and Adam Rudiger and myself and Nathan Liao did a, a countless duo gigs. And I remember one day leaving one of the gigs with Nathan walking towards the car. And it was just one of those moments where, you know, it's rare in 2020 and 2022 to be able to just play every day with the same people. And it was like we were creating some magic. And even though it was meant to be background music, I was like, Nathan, we should record this. And so the whole album is full of one take tracks. There's no overdubbing, no editing, all done in one day. So that's what we, we did on this album, yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful album. A piece by Isham Jones called There's No Greater Love. Our special guest is Damon Brunton, trumpeter, composer, band leader and educator. You're listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9. You're listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Find more podcasts and show blogs at joy.org.au. You're listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9 when our special guest is trumpeter, composer and educator Damon Brunton. Damon, your latest quintet album just released and launched a couple of weeks ago at the Paris Cat is called The Chunky Biscuit. First up, where did that title come from? <laughs> I don't know, actually, really. We were just, I was just looking for a collection of words which kind of spiritually embodied what was on the album. So it's not really anything specific. It's just more like, yeah, I don't know, those two words stuck together give me that feeling of, of what the, the album is about. That is a really poor answer to that question, but I can't think of a better way of describing it than that. If it's the answer, it's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you decide to record the album and then prep for it, writing, practising, etc., or do you run the music through gigs normally and decide to record an album when you've got the repertoire ready? Yeah, so the album we did before that was The New Sound, and that the, the, the second half of what you said then is exactly how that was. We wrote the tunes... I think we wrote in like 11 or 12 songs and ran them at gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and then whittled it down to the best five, the ones that were just sticking every gig and were getting a reaction out of the audience. 
And I really enjoyed being back in the studio and recording an album and releasing material and, and putting a, a footnote saying this is how the band sounded at this time. And so I was really keen to do that. And obviously COVID hit, which everyone knows about. So the Chunky Biscuit was, I, I wrote all the songs and then I would go back and rewrite them and edit. And it's really hard once you've written something to delete it, to highlight and delete. But you know... Is it the Coco Chanel thing when you leave the house, just look at yourself in the mirror and take one thing away? And it was like just trying to strip it back to the bare bones. And it, the Chunky Biscuit is certainly more, whilst still being very sophisticated, it's more to the point than the new sound is, which was extremely elaborate. Yeah. Do you hear the sound of the arrangements in your head as you write them? or or And does this vary much from what you end up hearing on the bandstand or in the studio? So do you hear the instruments in the, your head as you write? More so, I yes, and I also hear the players playing them. As in, the, as in you hear Adam Rudiger playing the keys? Absolutely, 145%. And I hear Adam Donaldson on the drums. I've been playing with Adam on drums since 2000, so that's 22 years. So when I'm writing something, even if I'm writing a bass part, I'll be like, okay, Adam would be doing this over this. And I, and you know... Sometimes he'll bring something completely different, but it's still in the same spirit and it, it doesn't conflict at all with what my initial conception for the song was. Same thing with Adam Rudiger on keys, you know, like I'll write something and I'll strip it back and I'll be like, I know exactly what Adam's going to do here. Even if I just put a bunch of slashes through the bar, knowing what the melody is, what's in the bass part, maybe what the guitar's doing, I know what, what the rest of the band's going to do with, within reason. That's not to say there's no spontaneity, but... There's that kind of symbiosis and that communication that happens when we have a band of players that's been around for a long time. You know, we've we've been through some stuff. You get used to each other's playing style and almost know what they're going to play before they play it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes, for sure. And I, I will be in the middle of a solo and have this kind of moment where I'll be like, I'm going to play this line now and I don't know if I play this that Adam's going to do this, Adam on keys is going to do this. I know what's going to happen as a result of that. And it's a wonderful feeling to be on a stage and be able to kind of bring things into being by laying down cues from relation musical relationships you've had for so long. What a great way to choreograph a, a set. Yeah, I think so, yeah. To make it up as you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not being made up, it's you're directing preformed ideas around in, in, in the, the fashion that suits that particular night. Yeah, I mean, it's not written down. I'm not like I'm not like playing something I've got a bunch of cue cards. It's not that, but, you know, I've played a lick in the past or, or, or even just a kind of a rhythmic displacement in the past and then I know how the interplay in the band is going to run based on playing that rhythmic displacement. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned Adam Donaldson on drums, Adam Rudiger on the keys, two other members in the quintet. So a few things have changed, but when we recorded the Chunky Biscuit, we had David Gooey on guitar and Lawson Kennard on bass. And now we've got Owen Downey on bass and Zach White on guitar. And that's been really, it's always sad to see, see people move on. But when you bring someone in and you've been playing a song for a long period of time and then someone new comes in, they just play it in a way that you can't, how did we never hear that before? You know? And, um, and I think, that's really great. I think we're in a really good place right now. There's three of us who've been around for a while, kind of adding that gravitas and giving the, the songs that weight. And then the new guys coming in are just bringing a whole new vibe to this. And there's a good kind of tension or a good kind of creative juices flowing. There's certainly a whole lot of energy in your quintet. 
at yes. the uh, the launch uh, was that uh, Friday week ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Saturday week ago at the Paris Cat. The five of you were just full of energy. It was nonstop. It's yeah. amazing to watch. I so back in two thousand, I, I went to to New York and I, I watched Wynton Marsalis play at the Village Vanguard, and and people were were yelling out like, yeah. And I was like, you know, I kind of come from that uh, we don't do that in Melbourne kind of thing. So I hope I haven't stepped on any toes by saying that, but we don't. And then, you know, I was like, it was just people in the crowd were just yelling out when they heard a lick that they liked or like something in the band had kind of, you know, come to a culmination and they were, yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, this just feels so right. What I believe I'm trying to do if you step back from all of the albums that I've released, which there's a lot of them now, is trying to take the sophistication of jazz, and it's just my belief and, you know, it's just my opinion that it's the greatest art form in the in, in the genre of music jazz is, and take that sophistication and take it to a wider audience without losing the sophistication, without dumbing it down, without going to the lowest common denominator. And... I feel confident in saying that when you come to see one of our gigs, you kind of get wrapped up in that energy and things that may not always translate. You know, when you're recording an album, it's quite cold. You know, when, when someone plays it on a CD player or they stream it on their phone, you know, it, it, it's, there, there's that element of separation between the musician, who's now a bunch of ones and zeros, and, and the audience member who's taking it in. Whereas at the gig, you bypass all of that and, and they hear things that I believe the audience hears things that they have never would never have heard in just hearing the track kind of in that cold-hearted, off-a-CD kind of way. And I suppose an album, it's perfect each and every time you play it. A live gig, it's different each and every time you hear it. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Where can we get more information about Damon Brunton? So www.damonbrunton, it's an unusual spelling, D-A-I-M-O-N, Brunton, B-R-U-N-T-O-N.com. Everything's on there and I'm on all the Facebooks and all the Instagrams and all the It is the a nice socials. website. Yeah, I cheers. Found Thank it you. very good to look at, to watch. Yeah. Now, we can't leave you... At can't leave you let. We can't let you leave, is what I'm trying to say, without playing a piece from The Chunky Biscuit. And in fact, it's the title track that I think we should hear, The Chunky Biscuit itself. You've already explained that the title was just words you liked. Yeah, it was. I mean, we actually had a... Um, one of the other bands I run, Cupcake, has... We, we have a corporate arm to that, and one of the agencies wanted to change the name, and they wanted to call it Pink Soda. And I was like, great, what does that mean? And he was like, it doesn't mean anything, but those two words go to well go together so well. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take that theory and apply it to an album title and a song title. So <laughs> Chunky Biscuit, you know, it's, it is, you know, Chunky Biscuit starts off as this like fusion double tongue kind of tour de force. And it ends up as a, as a Latin kind of Montuno on the beaches of Brazil kind of extravaganza. So it's, it's, it is chunky. It's, it's going everywhere. And it's not bound by conventional laws. I think that covers the entire album, Damon. The entire album of The Chunky Biscuit. Thank you so much for visiting Bent Notes tonight. It has been so good to hear what you've got to say about the album, your music, titles of your, your music, and of course your quintet. Very best wishes to you for your continued success and for lots more great funky music. Thanks very much for having me on, David. I've really enjoyed being here. A pleasure indeed. Let's have a listen to The Chunky Biscuit. Our special guest has been Damon Brunton, trumpeter, composer, band leader and educator. You're listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9. <laughs> Thank you.
You've been listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Join us live each Sunday night on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.